0: vacation, pizza, hot cocoa, cute little puppies. Are you guys in a good mood now? Yeah, those are things that tend to have a pretty high approval rating. Things that, you know, there's some things we hear and we have a positive association with them and we're just all, we're just smiling, we're just happy, we're just in a good mood. Now there are some other things that might have the opposite reaction among us, some other words that we might hear and just automatically the wind is out of our sails and we are not feeling so good. Uh, Some things perhaps like spiders, freezing rain, cleaning the bathroom, root canals. Uh, You could add more things as well. See, I should have done this in the opposite order. Now I've bummed you all out for the rest of the sermon. But, but I want to try out another word on you, and I want to see if it's uh, closer maybe to the positive end, or maybe if it's closer to the negative end of things. Uh, let's try this one out. The word is authority. Authority. What comes to mind when you hear the word Authority. Is it a more positive thing, or is it maybe a more negative thing? Did it put you in a good mood, or did it just automatically put you in a bad mood? Now, it may depend on uh, your past experiences. Maybe some of you heard the word authority, and you immediately were transported back to the principal's office. You know who you are, yeah. Or maybe you're thinking of remembering how you had to run laps after practice or something. So you're thinking maybe about, about that. Uh, others, maybe you hear authority and you're just reminded, yep, there's a lot of people in my life that can make decisions that affect me. <laughs> Too many maybe. And maybe you're thinking about, about that. Uh, perhaps some of you are big basketball fans like me and you hear the word authority and you ima- you, you see someone with a powerful slam dunk and you hear the commentator say, he throws it down with authority. Anybody? Mar, Marv Albert, maybe? I don't know. All I know is my dad used to say that to me after he dunked on me on my seven-foot you know, little tykes hoop. And I'm, my therapist and I are still uh, working our way through that. Um, but, but with authority. Different things that might pop into your mind when you hear that word based on your past experiences. So authority, is that like you're smiling broadly or are you not so happy about it? I'm willing to guess that for the most of us, probably a little bit more on this side, a little bit more on the the negative side, just because we may have have a story about someone who used authority um, and misused and abused it and left a a negative uh, impression on us. So we have authority, maybe most of us have at least a little bit of a negative association with that. And, but I want to I explain here today that authority um, in and of itself authority is not a bad word. It's not a bad word. Um, because it really all depends on who is in authority. Authority is not inherently evil. It's not like this evil institution that no matter who has it, they're going to use it wrong. Um, but it matters who is in Authority, And it's like this with any gift from God. And yes, it is true, authority is a gift from God. It is a blessing when used the right way. Um, But we, we look through the Ten Commandments even. Every commandment is associated with some blessing, some gift from God. And there's a negative side of it that we have to condemn the wrong use of that gift. And there's a lot of wrong ways to use the good gifts of God. But then there's always a positive way and an encouragement to, uh, to use it the right way. That's like the two sides of each of the Ten Commandments. And so I want us to look at here, um, as we look at God's law, as how he reveals it to us, uh, the First and the Fourth Commandments. And I'm not going to quiz you on which one those are. Uh, but the First Commandment is the most important one. It's the most foundational one. All the rest of them flow from it. It's, you shall have no other gods before me so God is communicating He is the one true God He is the only God He is the one who created all things and established all things He is the supreme ultimate authority worthy of our trust worthy of our submission as his creatures right He is God He has all authority but then the fourth commandment this is uh, this is the well it says honor your father and your mother, right? But it's, it's not quite so simple as that. None of the commandments ever are, right? Uh, as we, we go into a deeper dive into what they mean, really it's, it's not only to honor your father and your mother who are usually your first authority figures in life, right? That are given to you. But then you have more, right? As you grow up, you have a whole bunch of them no matter what age you are. You've got so many, we all do, right? Bunch of authority figures. And what God is is telling us is that he is the ultimate authority but he gives us other people to hold positions of authority and ideally that is a blessing to establish some type of order and not have there just be total chaos and anarchy in the world. So when we obey authority figures according to the fourth commandment, we are actually obeying by extension God because God is in charge and he has put these people in place. It's kind of how it works. So authority can be a gift from God. Now, we, can, we could spend the rest of the time just talking about bad examples of authority. There are so many of them. We've all experienced that. But I want to lead us into what, what does it look like when authority is used uh, properly? When it is wielded the way it ought to be? And there's only really one direction we can go to see perfect, beautiful authority being um, being wielded in this world. And that leads us to our Gospel reading, and it leads us to Jesus. And so we, we see here in Mark chapter one, the very beginning stages of Jesus' ministry. And so this Epiphany season here, we're connecting the dots, um, We'll talk more about the maps that are over there. So a lot of you have already put your dot on the map, and we're going to be connecting with each other. Uh, if you haven't already, if you haven't seen those yet on your way out, put your dot on the map. Um, but part of that also is connecting the dots about who Jesus is. So we hear about the things that he's doing and the things that he's saying in the early stages of the gospel, and we're trying to figure out what, who is he, what did he come to do. And so we are here. Imagine now you're in the synagogue in Capernaum, Mark chapter 1. And you're there, and Jesus gets up and he's teaching. And this is, this is what Jesus does right away. He, one of the things he came to do was to teach. So he calls the disciples, and immediately, Mark even uses that word, immediately he goes to the synagogue and starts to teach. And it is clear, right from the start, that Jesus has authority in his teaching. It is clear. It is very different from the usual suspects who would be teaching in the synagogues. Jesus is teaching with authority, and the, it even says people are remarking on this. They're astonished by this because he does not teach them as the scribes do. He teaches them as one who has authority. Now, my understanding of this is at the time, uh, you know, so, so we have, uh, we'll, we'll go backward in time a little bit. There was Moses about 1,500 years or so before Jesus, and then all these rabbis and teachers of the law in between, and now, now Jesus comes, and so the scribes that were teaching in Jesus' day, they, were, they would not say anything without citing their sources. So they might say something very wise like this, blah, 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 blah. And then they would say, um, as Rabbi so-and-so said, you know, Four centuries ago. And so everything they're saying, they're citing their sources. Maybe you are having flashbacks of having to write research papers and citing your sources, and then you find out halfway through you've been using the wrong code of style for trans- citing, and then that's, that's a whole disaster. But anyway, you have to cite them all. Jesus comes, and he's teaching very differently. He is not citing any sources. Gasp. Jesus is a plagiarizer. Oh, no. Why isn't he citing sources? He is the source, right? Jesus is God. So he's coming, he's coming into the synagogue and he's teaching on the word of God. He's like, I am the authority on this. I am God. I am the source. I am the word. I'm not just teaching the word of God. I am the word of God made flesh. And so it was obviously very striking that Jesus is a different kind of teacher than all the other teachers out there. And so people are astonished. Hey, this guy has authority in his teaching. So it was a great day to be in the synagogue. Uh, The time of worship is over. People are getting up and they're just as people do, right? Everyone, everyone to a person, walking out, just talking about how amazing the sermon is, talk about it to their cars as you drive to brunch, still talking about it. It warms my heart to know that that's what you guys are just so consumed by right okay um, so they they're doing that and then all of a sudden the conversations about the sermon get interrupted they get derailed because probably it was one of the people that were there in the synagogue that day possessed by a demon the demon takes over and cries out and everybody's like what's going to happen now this guy had a he was teaching with authority Uh, That's a whole other ballgame now, though. Now a demon's talking. So the demon-possessed man cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so Jesus, who has already delivered an amazing, authoritative, powerful sermon, he's got a second sermon at the ready. This one is a lot shorter But it is no less authoritative or powerful. And Jesus says, Be silent and come out of him. And the evil spirit has no choice but to obey. Because Jesus also has authority to command unclean spirits. He speaks, and even the most disorderly, scary, chaotic things fall into order right away. And so now, again... Put yourself in the place of the people of the synagogue. They're like, what are we seeing here today? They're trying to connect the dots. And their conclusion is, they, they say, what is this? Yep, that, that sounds about right. What is this? There's this new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits. And they don't quite know what to say except that they know he has authority from God. two amazing examples of the authority that Jesus has. And you may be wondering then, in what other areas does Jesus have authority? I'm sure they were wondering the same thing too. Is this all this guy can do or are we gonna see even greater things? And so as you follow Jesus around through the Gospels, we'll shift away from Mark's Gospel for a minute, we'll go into Matthew's Gospel. At the very end, Jesus says something about his authority. But between the beginning and the end, we see many more examples of the authority of Jesus. He speaks, and he has the power to forgive sins. He speaks, and he has the power to calm nature down when it's storming. He speaks, and diseases have to run and flee away as healing replaces them. Jesus shows authority over this and that and the other thing, and then finally, the biggest baddest enemy of all, death can't even hold him, can't even have authority over him for more than three days he rises again and now at the very end of Matthew's gospel Jesus says this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me all authority and so those of us now who maybe we reacted a certain way to that authority word we hear this And we're like, whoa, calm down, Jesus. I think you're going a little too far with this one because we we really are predisposed to not want to hear that someone is in charge of us. Maybe in a few different areas of life we can cede those. Well, you can have authority over this or that. You know, we're like, "Well, Jesus, it's okay if you want to have authority to teach me for 1 hour a week maybe. Yeah, maybe that's per- okay." Um, and you can certainly keep that authority over demons and all the scariest stuff so they can't get me. You can have that, but all authority, I never negotiated for, for that, okay? I, and so we, we rebel against that, we react against that, it's just how we are, because we want to be in charge of at least some of the portions of our life. And so, um, so we, we might be saying then, reacting um, Jesus, are you going to stick your nose into my personal business? Are you going to follow me home from church? Are you going to peek in on how I interact with my neighbors? Really wish you wouldn't. Are you going to barge into my classroom where I go to school? Are you going to follow me into my workplace? Are you going to look in where I work out and where I get my coffee and what, I'm gonna, what I do when I'm all by myself or what I, what I like to do late at night? Are you going to stick your nose in, in those places and try to tell me what I have to do and what I can't do? And we, you know, when you start to think about all those things, we're like, yeah, I think if I'm being honest with myself, I, I, I'm not that wild about the authority of Jesus as far as it really does extend. Because when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, he's not mentioning words. He, he means it. So this is kind of that, that struggle inside of us to reconcile this. But, but it, it goes back to this whole concept of authority In its purest form, right, it is a gift from God and it matters who is in authority. And so when we reflect upon what we know about Jesus, as we connect the dots about who he is and what he's come to do, um, we start to, to recognize that he is not any old authority figure, he is not one who is going to misuse and abuse his authority. He is one who uses his authority in the most beautiful and the most perfect way. And so uh, Jesus, as Lord of all, as being in charge of all things, he uses that authority with grace and with mercy and with love. Everything that he does is, is for our good in the present life and also for our eternity And we have to remember that even before before God the Father hands Jesus all the authority in heaven and on earth, he handed Jesus some other things, some things for which we are very thankful, because they were some things that he took away from us and gave to Jesus. So before all authority was handed to him, all sin was handed to him, and all guilt and all shame And all just suffering and punishment and pain, that was all heaped upon Jesus. And he said, yep, these are all mine too. And he went to the cross, and he suffered, and he died. So that sin and death and Satan would have no more authority over you. And now Jesus dies, and he rises again, and he says, all authority is given to me. And now... Our ears hear that, and we know that that is good news. It's still kind of a struggle on some days for us to yield that, but but it is certainly good news that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord in your life over every part of your life. And so Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel here, he says these words, and the very next sentence he says is to give us this, what we call the Great Commission. He sends us out, he says... I have, I have all authority, now go. Go and tell other people about what that means. Tell people what it means that I am the Lord of all. Go and baptize and teach and make disciples. And this is our mission that we have. Those of us who have been brought under the gracious and good and perfect lordship of Jesus, we have the mission to, as it says, um, we'll talk about this phrasing here in a second, to spread his fame and make disciples. That sounds a little bit strange maybe but it's, it's the, the phrasing that is used at the end of Mark's uh, at, at the end of the gospel passage that we had today. Verse 28 from Mark chapter 1. It says at the end of the scene in the synagogue, right, it says and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Yeah, of course it did. How could it not? How could Jesus not be, you know, people be talking about that. How could he not be famous after those events? And it's, uh, it's funny because you'll, you'll read through the, the next few chapters of Mark and you'll see there's stories about uh, Jesus. It says he can't even openly enter any towns anymore because people are mobbing him on the way in. Um, he's in his home one time and there's so many people packed in like sardines. They can't even get the door open. People can't enter. People can't exit. And then it, it also says that one time he's like pinned in. People are, so many crowds are around him. He's like backing up against the sea. He has to get into a boat just to teach them. He's He's famous because of what he's come to do. And it is our mission, we don't phrase it this way usually, but I think, it may, I think it works, it's our mission to make him famous, to spread the name of Jesus, to spread the fact that it is good news that he is Lord of all. Because there are people that we know and love who don't know this. And these are the people that we're going to seek to connect with. Connect with our neighbors so we can connect them to Jesus, because I want us to ponder this last point here, that that the authority of Jesus is good news for me and for my neighbors. Again, we have this built-in visceral reaction against hearing that He has all authority, but but is it is also whether whether we consciously realize this or it's subconscious, we have this basic need to have someone in authority, someone in charge over us. We long for it, Whether we, even though we push against it a lot of times, we long for it. But again, it's, it's the right person. To have the right person using the authority the right way, we long for it. It's like a basic need in the world. And so we, we have come to know by the Holy Spirit that it is a good thing that Jesus is that Lord. He has that authority for us. But it is our mission to communicate this to our, to our neighbors so that they can know... That all these other things, like their sin and their guilt and the chaos and the disorder, all the things that rob them of peace, those things don't have to have authority forever over them. That there is a Lord who will graciously get rid of those things and replace those things with his peace that passes all understanding, with his forgiveness of sins, with his new life. So we get to to tell them, hey, there's a a Lord unlike any other Lord, unlike any other authority out there. He is for you. He has your present good and your eternal good in his mind all the time. And is there a better message than that for us to connect those around us uh, to know that news? So as you head out again, I know a lot of you, probably most of you have already put your dot on the map. Um, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's a fun thing to go over there and, and be um, in a godly way, nosy about who your neighbors are. Um, so you, you can put your dot on the map and then look around. Take a picture of it. You can start to pray for the people that are, that are geographically near you. We're going to take some steps here in the coming weeks to actually get us more connected. But as you do that on your way out, imagine how many dots aren't even on there yet. Those are the, the people that we are being sent out to disciple, those are the people that are going to receive the good news that Jesus is their Lord, and, and then that, that that's a good thing. So may God bless these connecting efforts, and may God um, bless us as we seek to make Jesus famous among our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Uh, connecting us together in faith, connecting us um, under the gracious lordship and authority of Jesus. Help us truly to know and to believe that it is good news that Jesus is our Lord. Help us to, to trust in you in all things and bless our efforts to connect with those around us who don't know Jesus yet. We pray this all in his name. Amen.